Hello, everyone. My name is Tawny Hammond. Welcome to the Profiles and Leadership Podcast. I will be shining a light on big-hearted and brave leadership, making the world a safer, more humane, and kinder place for all species. Leadership exists at all levels and walks of life. There are everyday heroes all around us working to end the killing of companion animals and animal shelters across the nation, as well as protecting wildlife and stopping the degradation of the environment. And I'm going to bring them to you. All you have to do is tune in and come along on this life-saving journey as we learn about profiles and leadership. So grab your walking shoes and your ear pods and let's go. Welcome to Profiles and Leadership. Today I'll be chatting with Montgomery County Animal Services Director Aaron Johnson. Aaron will talk to us about what we need to know about how the COVID-19 crisis is affecting animal shelters around the country and what we can do to be part of solutions for people and their pets. Welcome, Aaron Johnson. Thank you for joining me today on Profiles in Leadership. Thank you so much for having me. I know you're very busy right now and you're handling um, a lot of urgent situations in your world down in Texas. And so I really appreciate you making time to talk to us about some important topics. Um, there's a lot of things that I'd love to ask you, but most importantly right now with the COVID-19 crisis in our nation, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what people need to be aware of uh, regarding life-saving. Um, in particular, I was hoping you could hone in on the transport of pets uh, to rescues within, you know, your own community, but also transporting them possibly to other, to other states and regions. Can you talk a little bit about that, Aaron? I think particularly at this time, it, it's still very important for all of us across the South to continue transports. I know we need to be extra careful uh, during this time um, in going about those. I know for us particularly, we do have a transport set up for the end of this month. And we are hoping and planning that that is going to continue. Uh, we are just looking at certain ways of, you know, minimizing any sort of contact with anybody at different places. So being very careful when we stop at gas stations and things like that, and just really limiting contact. I think we can, us in the animal welfare industry, you know, we've been pretty good about learning and figuring out how to you know, control disease and do different things during these transports. And I think we can put a lot of that knowledge into play doing transports in a time where we're having to worry about diseases among the human population as well. So I, yeah. I think it's very doable and very, very still very important for us, particularly in the South. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about uh, why in the South is it really important to have this part of your life-saving toolkit well, for us, because of the, the overpopulation as it is, I, I think we have some definite culture, um, things we need to work on culturally and just kind of what is accepted as okay and not okay as, more, as far as owning pets. Um, and I think that's all across the South. And that is something that is not going to change overnight. It's something that we'll have to you know work through education and it's going to take a while to change. But during that time, uh, we have this overpopulation, and so we need a, a bit of a relief valve to assist us in life-saving uh, while we work on those things, spay-neuter programs, education programs of that nature, and being able to sustain life-saving on our own without doing as many transports. Uh, so, but, but transports are highly important to us. 
Absolutely. In fact, um, I followed you on social media where you actually uh, got in your own uh, van. Was that a transportation van that you were using, taking driving pets up to transport partners? That's correct. Yes, we have a, a almost 40 foot gooseneck trailer that we have here. Uh, we utilize in conjunction with some other groups that do transports with us here in, in the Houston area. Um, and a lot of those transports I've actually driven myself, um, me and another staff member. We take our life saving very seriously and, and we don't have a, a large number of staff members. And so sometimes it, it takes having me be able to leave on a, on a weekend and make a transport happen so that we can get animals out safely to another place to get adopted. And, and a lot of times we show up and some of those animals have already been pre-adopted. They've already got homes lined up for them. So it's a great thing to see. Absolutely. And I know you're a hands-on type of leader. I worked with you closely uh, during um, Hurricane Harvey and um, that's when we met and I saw firsthand how you and your team just do what it takes to get it done. And it's, it's really impressive. And I'm, I'm really uh, proud to know you and proud of the work that you all do. Um, it's been pretty remarkable and you're pretty humble about it, but you do lead by example, which I, is pretty cool. That's always kind of, you know, been my thing is, is even when I was even not particularly in, you know, in upper level leadership, is that, you know, even as coworkers and things like that, I mean, there's, there isn't anything that I wouldn't ask anybody else to do or do with me that I won't do myself. And that that's, has been kind of something that has stuck with me over the years. And my staff to this day still know that they all call me for different situations and they know that I will jump right in there with them. And, and I think it just shows that, you know, I, I do, you know, take very seriously the situations we're putting them in and they know that their safety and well-being and things like that is, is definitely a, a high priority for me. That's wonderful. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, there are some directors that are, that are, um, really, really concerned as, um, their transport partners are canceling those transports. And that's really coming at a tough time where, Animal shelters are at capacity, and not. Go ahead. That that is really tough. We haven't seen that as of yet. I think that could be something that will happen. However, one thing I have seen happen during this time: um, some shelters that are actually closing, um, particularly more in the north, northeast, and stuff like that they seem to have had really good success in getting animals out of their shelter before closing or reducing their operations. And I, I think to some of the culture changes and things that we have to see here in the South, I, I don't think even with the pushes that we're making, we're not exactly seeing the same response, um, which makes it difficult for us. And so I think even being able to transport those animals to the North, I think we can all work together and still be able to get animals out with the great responses they're getting, um, which will and then help all of the animals up there down here as a whole. Right. No, it makes total sense. What are you hearing from um, the other shelters around you? So you're, um, t tell us exactly where you're located in Texas. 
So we are Montgomery County, which is the county directly north of Houston. So Houston, the city of Houston sits within Harris County, and we are the county directly north of them. Um, during this time, I've had conversations, obviously, with some of the other area shelters, and there's obviously great concern that our shelter populations are going to increase and not decrease any. So having a slowing of fosters, adoptions, and rescue partners pulling animals. And so we're really trying to focus on at this point, we here in Montgomery uh, put out a thing today that we are going to be trying to reduce our intake as far as non-emergent owner, owner surrenders, things of that nature, and kind of limiting the calls for our animal control officers to emergency calls uh, to reduce any chances of exposure for our staff or us. Because um, as I said earlier, you know, we don't we don't have a high number of staff members. And so if we have any a number of those that get sick or are quarantined for this, that could become a potential real, real issue for us. And so we're trying to reduce our population so that we can properly care for what we have in, in shelter. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, how's your foster program? Our foster program is, has actually been doing very well. Um, we are during this time pushing it very, very hard and, and hoping for a good response uh, we, in our reaching out to the media, we have again pushed and urged them that during this time, and even in general, we really, really need fosters. That's what makes a lot of our transports happen. Um, that's what helps us alleviate pressure within the shelter during times like this. And uh, it does a lot for the community, too. I mean, it gets them involved. And if we we had even half of our population who would just foster one animal, we could we could clear out so many problems within our shelters. Yeah. Have you, have you found uh, the municipality and your chain of command to be supportive and allowing you to, to message freely that you need assistance? Uh, we did. So I, I actually uh, reached out and said, Hey, this is, this is what we're seeing. This is what I'm hearing from talking to other shelters. Uh, these are the guidelines that NACA has put out and we want to follow along with those recommendations. We changed a couple of things in that, um, being a little bit more strict on our intake part of it. But other than that, I reached out and said, this is, this is what we're facing. We really want to protect our staff, public, and then also the animals to make sure that we're, we're not making any, any rash decisions. And they were supportive. And he, they pretty much uh, you know, advised me that they understand and, and agree um, that we need to do what we can to protect everybody during this time. And how long have you been with uh, Montgomery County Animal Services? So I may will mark three years for me here at Montgomery County. Okay. And um, it's when you started, um, what was the general um, kind of shape that the animal services department was in, you know, what were some of the goals you focused on right away? So Montgomery County had had a lot of turnover in leadership. Um, there had been a lot of turmoil over the years, uh, was privatized at one point, then became the county again. So there had been a lot of things that had going on. And I think the community as well as, you know, fosters, volunteers were a bit frustrated at that point. And it was a little tough coming in, just knowing that, um, you know, there, obviously there were some high expectations from everybody. Um, but having worked at the city of Houston for 10 years, you know, I had, I had some experience in dealing with high volume 
and just really kind of how we turned some things around there and, and really developed programs. And the biggest thing for me coming in was getting kind of the staff aligned, getting everybody on the same page, getting some standard uh, procedures and policies in place so that we're just, we're all cleaning the same and doing basic things the same. And kind of over time, you know, we had Harvey come along and I got to meet you and everybody else uh, that kind of threw a monkey wrench in things. But it, it really kind of gave a turning point, though, too, to see that, yes, I just came in, but we just made it through one of the biggest disasters that we have seen uh, here in the South, uh, even me coming in and being the new person. And so I think that really kind of proved to a lot of people that, you know, I was serious about what we were going to do and that we were going to make life saving a priority. Absolutely. And you, you have, I mean, you're, what's your save rate now? So our save rate uh, for this year, if I'm remembering correctly, I think we're around 94, 95% as far as our actual save rate. Yeah, that's amazing knowing uh, that, you know, Southern shelters and, shelters around cities are frequently at capacity. And um, I think, what, what do you think about the solutions before the door? You referred, you talked about culture earlier, but I, it seems like the, you know, if we, if you and I had a crystal ball and could look at it or we could plan the future, it would be, you know, solutions before the door. Absolutely. We started to do a, uh, intake diversion type program uh, through some grant money and through all the trainings and every all the other programs we have seen other people put in place you know Texas is is I hate to say it but it's kind of a whole nother beast right and it's very very different about how animals are I mean they're their property here and that's just kind of what they are so we I was kind of surprised and it was very difficult in getting some people to really want to do things uh, as far as being able to keep their pets. Um, it, if even trying to get them before they get to the door, a lot of them were still very persistent that they had made up their mind and they wanted to turn the animal in. So I, I think that's programs that we definitely need to keep working on and pushing. I feel like we've had a little bit more resistance to it here um, than I think other places have seen. Yeah, it, it definitely, my time in Texas, even though it was Austin, it, you know, we dealt with 900 square mile County, Travis County, which huge and very diverse as far as cultural, um, cultural norms. Um, and um, so I, I know what you're talking about. And I also have family that um, from Western Kentucky, a farming community. Um, and I think sometimes it, 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 this kind of correlates with agrarian or rural um, communities and um, just the place of, you know, animals in people's lives. And you and I both know um, that, that, that the majority of people and all over our country, Texas and the South, consider their pets family and part of their pack. But in our business, we deal with uh, crises and urgencies and situations that are broken or challenging. I kind of, I kind of, when I talk about what, what we do, I said, it's like the emergency people that work in the emergency room, emergency physicians, 
if they went, if we went by what they see all day long, they would say that everybody's accident prone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the majority of people are not, of people aren't accident prone. And so, but we, this is what we see. And so, you know, I think we want people to understand because I know you as a, as a person and as a human and how positive and compassionate and kind you are. And, and, and I just think that, that, that sliver of culture that impacts animal sheltering is that tough nut. It is that resource sharing, education, uh, trying to get through to folks so they understand um, that yeah. there are solutions and not just the shelter. And I, I think we've had better success in our officers when they respond to a call of somebody, for example, complaining that they have their dog tied up all the time or the shelter they have is inadequate or things of those nature. You know, our, our team has gotten a lot better about going out and kind of talking to the person, understanding what their situation is and, and really trying to figure out you know, what is the right solution here? And I think a lot of times when people call us with those complaints, they think, oh, you should take their animals from them. And it's like, no, they actually really do like their animals and they're a part of their family. They just, they keep them differently than you might. And we've found a lot of cases where we go out and, you know, they just may not have the means. So we were able to provide a better shelter and provide them a better, um, you know, maybe it's a runner so that the dog isn't getting tangled up on anything. And I think some people have kind of seen that and word has kind of spread a little bit that, you know, oh, they're, they will help people. They do do different things. They don't just take animals or we're here to help people and not just take animals from them. That's, that's not why we're here. And I think, I think it's been a lot more effective on the front of that as far as getting people to keep their pets that way is, is when we respond to these calls and really trying to fix any problems they're having and, and have that conversation with those owners. Yeah. I know you all do that really well, that your relationship with the community is really important to you and your, that's the reputation that you, that you have now as a County and um, as an animal services department, that connectivity with your community Tell me a little bit, because I need to let you get back in the saddle. Um, get that back in the saddle and you're a cowboy. Uh-huh. <laughs> back <to> riding days. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just clever sometimes. Um, let's talk a little bit about Progressive Animal Collaboration Team. That is pretty cool. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that uh, organization. So it was it was put together to basically, the idea of it is, is just to, to get people together um, and really try to uh, get the organizations to collaborate and work together, uh, whether it's with a nonprofit, without a nonprofit. The idea was really just to push push the idea of collaboration and getting us all to work together. Um, I think we've kind of started to do that as far as when we had the, the mega adoption events and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Even kind of off of that, we've been doing some promotions together mm-hmm. so that we can kind of push out releases to the media that involve um, adoption promotions that we're doing at each of our shelters. And the idea is kind of that we can put it out to the media at once and they don't really have to pick a shelter or pick an organization on who they're going to promote at, at that point. Or 
if people want to go adopt an animal, it doesn't really matter. Go to the closest shelter to you and you can know that we are all doing that same promotion right now. And mm -hmm. the idea is we want to have live releases and get animals out. And so it's really, really focusing on us working together and not against each other and, and all for the betterment of getting animals out with, you know, positive outcomes, obviously adoptions, fostering and rescues and, and really getting that community involvement as well. So when I was um, working in Texas as a, a animal services director, uh, not everybody in, in Houston was, was really on the same sheet of music. And it's been pretty cool to see people pulling together and organizations working so closely together. It's just amazing, isn't it? It, it is. And, you know, since I was at the city of Houston for 10 years before coming here, I mean, I've, I've I hate to say it now, but I've been around for a minute <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, it's been really good to see the changes that have happened at Bark over the years. I mean, some amazing changes have happened there. Um, but then seeing how there was pretty much almost like no communication going on to some communication. And then now I feel like, you know, when things happen or, or it's worse, things like the pandemic come up. I mean, we're, we're talking all the time and, and just to be able to reach out to each other and kind of align with each other, I think makes messaging and all those types of things a lot, a lot easier and a lot more understandable for our, our citizens. Cause all of our jurisdictions are either in each other's jurisdiction or we, we bump up against each other. And so people can, you know, at times not really understand, well, am I in this jurisdiction? Am I in this one? Do I go by this? Do I go by that? So if we're aligning our messaging, it's, it's, it's been really nice to see that it's getting a little bit more clear and things are a little bit easier for people to know and understand um, with us working together and aligning our messaging. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah. To see. I think coalitions and organizations like what you are part of and founded are where it's at. It's our future, really. We can't be in our silos I agree. Um, with, you know, dis disconnected from each other. And the more transparent we are, each of us, each community, and open about our challenges, our struggles, our needs, our strengths, uh, the more we can support each other instead of like kind of being in the shadows, you know? Yep. So yes, that's I been pr pretty cool. So I know we're at a tipping point in our nation. Um, I actually think that I'm, I'm worried about companion animals and people during the COVID-19 crisis um, because I don't want, you know, pets to, to be killed for lack of resources or space. I don't want people to suffer either. I mean, they're, they're connected. Pets and people are connected. We know that. Um, but I think sometimes tragedies like we saw with Harvey um, do bring about uh, good things ultimately. Um, and it's like you just reach this tipping point and you don't go back. You can't go back. You're transparent, you're communicative, you're working together, you know people from all over the nation and we're all connected and pulling in the same direction. And I'm hoping that's what happens. Um, in closing, I, um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about Petco and what a great honor that was and what that meant to you and your team and how that changed things for you. Um, um, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was, that was pretty huge for us. Um, Obviously, it's a it's a was a great honor to have for us to be recognized for that. Um, 
Now tell us tell us exactly what you were recognized for. So they we were given the Life Saving Impact Award um, from the PECO Foundation um, through Harvey, and you know obviously work with you guys. You guys know that they had given us a grant through Harvey, and that helped us tremendously. Um, I can't thank them enough. the The transports that we do with the trailer we have is is all thanks to them. I mean, we would not have that trailer uh, if it weren't for them. Um, so with them seeing all the things that we've been really pushing to do and the collaboration and working together and moving forward, they had recognized us with the Life-Saving Impact Award. Um, and that was really a huge honor for us. I mean, it was very kind of an emotional time for me. Um, I had my own personal things going on with my father at the time. And um, so having that award and everything else was was just, you know, kind of another thing to really motivate us and keep us going and pushing us that we are doing great things. Um, I think, you know, even after that, coming back and after getting the, re the award from them, uh, even Montgomery County had recognized us for Department of the Year as well. Uh, so after that, we were given that award. Um, so last year, we had a lot of really great things. And I think it's really kind of motivated us and, and pushed our team and, and let them know that other people are watching and people are recognizing the hard work that, that they're doing every day to help these animals that we have coming in our shelters. And so it was, it was really great to really to have the recognition for the team. Cause I think it really rewards them and knowing that there are people out there watching us and, and them doing all this great work. Yeah. It, it was really cool to, to watch that. Um, uh, unfold and happen. And I know you were dealing with a, a sadness in your family and which was heartbreaking, um, knowing, you know, how hard that was on you. And I know what a strong man you are and the job that you do every day is tough to begin with. And then, you know, we throw life in there yep. and, um, makes it even more challenging. So you and your team deserve those great things that happened. And, um, the nation, you know, the rest of the country is watching you. Texas is doing some amazing things. I think of the work you've done, the work in Harris County. I think of El Paso and Paula Powell. Mm -hmm. And I think of Austin holding steady. Uh, people keep spreading disinformation about Austin. And having worked there for two years as the director, it just makes me laugh because most of the people that are saying things that are negative or erroneous uh, they've never even visited or spent any time yep. with Ellen Jefferson, Dr. Jefferson, or spent any time with me. Um, and I think we just have to, I mean, some of the times it's, it's, there's going to be naysayers and I feel like, you know, they can say whatever they like, but we just try to combat it with facts and this is what it is. You may not agree with everything that we do. Of course, we're not always going to agree on things. Um, but in the end, we all want the same things. We all want to save more animals. And we all want the lives of, of the people in our communities with their pets to be a good one. And we want them to have yes. a great community to be within. Absolutely. Do you, um, you talk with Ed Jameson in Dallas. There's another community that's doing some I do. pretty cool stuff. I talk a lot with Ed. We, he and I talk a lot. Um, uh, I've actually been part of the Texas Unites and, and, and stuff with him. And, um, we, we talk awesome. a lot about different things, different topics, legislation, current events that are going on. So we, we, I stay in touch with 
quite a few folks now, which is, is really nice. I mean, cause when you're having a difficult time or you have an issue, you know, there are other people out there that are maybe having the same issue or can help you uh, get yeah. through those difficult times. Texas is really um, just charging forward. When you think about it, think about Montgomery County, Houston, Dallas, El Paso, Austin, still, uh, lead, you know, doing great things, leading the way. How about Baytown? April Moore's yeah. gone to Baytown. Corpus Christi. Um, uh, Mike Gillis went to Corpus Christi. Yeah, and Palm Valley. They're doing trying to they're doing some really great stuff. They worked with us during Mega, so it, yeah. everybody's working really hard. Yeah, Palm Valley, Harlingen, um, the real. Grand Valley, um, just amazing stuff happening. Well, I want to thank you for for spending time uh, with me on Profiles and Leadership. I highlight everyday people doing extraordinary things to make the world a kinder place for all species. And I just wanted to get you on a call knowing that you were uh, ear deep in in this situation. Um, what's What's one last message you'd like to tell folks that do have resources and other places of the country, they're in a position to help shelters that are at capacity. What can they do? We're really, I mean, I think every organization at this point has been pushing the same thing and that's fostering. Um, people are at home right now. People who are not normally at home are at home. So go to your shelters, get a foster, get a couple of fosters, help us get some space to get through this time. Um, if you're in a position where you are wanting to adopt, we're still doing those at this time. I know a lot of the shelters around are still doing fosters, adoptions, and rescues. So if you have any ability at all, or if you're, like I said, you're at home and you can foster, please, please do go to your local shelter and make that happen. Um, it will be life-saving for, for those animals and, and it would be a great help to the shelters as we plan for any issues we could face uh, with any staffing. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. It's good to spend time with you and thanks for uh, being my guest. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.